This week on the number one HR and recruitment podcast in Canada, the Recruitment Flex. Should corporate recruiters get paid commission? Want to be a recruiter at one of the top tech companies in the world? We dissect their recruitment process. Is the tech industry in for a downturn? And finally, how do you make sure your candidates accept the offer? Welcome to the Recruitment Flex with Serge and Shelly. I'm Serge. And I'm Shelly. And we talk all things recruitment starting right now. Welcome to the Recruitment Flex. I'm Serge and my better looking co-host, Shelly. Shelly, how was your Mother's Day? How was it? Oh, Serge, thank you. Hey, great to see you. I miss you, man. It seems like we're working so much these days. We don't get enough chat time. We we don't talk um, as much. We used to talk almost on a daily basis. Know, and now this is the only time we really catch up. We're too busy. So I think what we need to do, Shelly, is just quit our jobs and just <laughs> spend the day talking to each other and talking about the podcast. I mean, if we're going to bail out on our jobs, what would be super fun is I've got event envy. I'm looking at uh, Chad and she's over in Belgium and then they're flying off to this place and that place. And of course, on their podcast, they were talking about, oh, we're in Amsterdam drinking beer and we missed the train going back. And I'm like, okay, this is the life of a famous podcaster. It's a future state because I know we'll okay. get there, but I did have a little bit of envy. Well, they're okay. So let's talk about Chad that. And she's um, traveling. There, there's some elements of travel that I like. There's some elements that I don't like as much. I do not picture myself traveling like those guys because I don't want to be away from my girls for more than a couple of days, to be honest, especially after two years of the pandemic. If I leave them for two days, I go crazy. So Aww. I don't know. And I, I've done my traveling. I'm not like in That's the right stage of my you know, life that I want yeah. to as much until like 10, 15 years from now. And yeah. I... I like events, but I don't like events because uh, believe it or not, I, I'm an introvert. Like I, I do get my energy from being by myself. They're tiring for me, these events. How about you? So I did forget about that in your past because I remember when you were working with Workopolis and Indeed, I don't know how you did it. Like I swear you lived out of a suitcase Monday to Friday. Yes. I don't remember you ever being at home. And I was like, how did you ever do it? So you're right. I know you've had your fill of having to go to some schleppy hotel and choose what's on the menu at Denny's for dinner. <laughs> like there's no glamour in that, but um, no, it's, it, yeah. there is glamour if you do it every once in a while, but it does get mm-hmm. extremely tiring. And, and that's maybe the romanticizing that I'm doing about these events, like to be in Belgium and to be at this event. And then, you know, to be in the Vegas event, like I would not want to be on the road full time with it, but you know, I do want to answer your question about mother's day. Yes. Yes. Because mother's day for me was, I get to do what I think is my perfect day. Okay. And I know this sounds weird, but I did everything that I wanted. I didn't have to do anything. And so it was absolutely perfect in my eyes. I so what did I you do? Lo- well, I went to Lowe's. Okay, that's fine. I went to Lowe's and I wanted to redecorate a few places, and I'm reorganizing closets, and I get so much satisfaction from that, and so much fun. 
and doing it. Like I know it's, I, it sounds weird. And to think that the, my favorite thing about mother's day was going to Lowe's, but I did. And then I had a fabulous dinner with the kids. They came over and we binge watched Mad Men. I mean, I've seen it already, the whole series, right. But to just sit there and, and have a full tummy and glass of wine and binge watch Mad Men. You it know what? Perfect. I see nothing wrong with that. That really seems like an ideal day for a lot of people. You just yeah. do what you want to do. So I'm glad that you had that day and the kids just treated you well, got out of your way when you didn't want them around and then came for dinner and watching Mad Men. Like I, I love Mad Men. It's in my top right? five shows of all time. So which season are you in now? I don't know which season, but we're right at the point where Don is going to California. Ah, yes. Because yes. Megan's already in California and her career is taking off. So I know I just love it. No, and Don Draper is so good. That's he easy is to look at perfect. No. Yeah, Mother's Day here was very similar. I wanted to do the same for my wife because you've had young kids and you know exactly what it is on a day to day basis. I don't know how many times she hears mom, mom. Like if she drank every time she heard mom, she would be drunk by 9 a.m. So I took Seven all the girls out. They wake up. Yeah, exactly. I, I took the girls out early in the morning and we spent uh, a big portion of the day just out, which is always an adventure. It's funny when I came back, she spent most of the day cleaning. The kids were not there so she could go in there. And I didn't want her to do that. I was just sit, watch a movie, go shopping, do whatever you want. But just having the house to herself so she can crank the music and do whatever she needs. She's very much the type of person is like, do not buy me anything. And do not put anything on Facebook, like happy Mother's Day or anything like that. It's tough for me, but um, definitely fulfilling her wishes there. So I think she had a good day too. And it's always good to call my mom a great mother that raised me to be not a complete fuck up. So I I guess, I guess (laughs) you got to take your hat off to that. You know, I I just want to say, I really relate to Dies wishes that first of all, I don't need anything. Like I was the same way. Don't buy me anything. Brooke made me a card and it brought me to tears. Oh my gosh. Because it's what she said in the card and she made it herself. I don't need anything. Don't be buying me stuff. And you're absolutely right. I totally relate. If, if there's some compelling need that you need to publicly honor your mother on Facebook for the rest of your family and friends to see you go ahead. Yeah. But I feel the same way as die. I, I almost feel it's a little cringy. Does hey, she, I'm not, I'm not judging why? for people. That no, do I'm it, not, not judging, judging either, but I feel it's a little cringy. Yeah. And it depends. Like my wife is not a person that's on social media a lot. I, I don't think she's posted anything in 10 years that I've known her. I get it. It's for some people and some people it's not a fit. So whatever works, but mm. how about we jump into a recruitment insights? So I want to come back to a topic that we talked a couple of weeks ago. Quick refresher. Freshy, who is, I would say fast food, but healthy fast food yep, yep. place here in Canada. They also have locations in the US, but I think they're very sporadic. They caused quite a bit of controversy by having virtual cashiers. There's actually someone physically on the screen, but they're working from Nicaragua. One of the things that I don't think we talked about, is it actually a good experience? So one of my friends... I asked him about it. I was like, you're in Ontario. Like you eat freshies. Have you been? He's like, oh yeah, I've been. 
it fucking sucked. Okay. The, the person didn't understand what I was trying to order. Then I was trying to remove things and he completely screwed it up. The experience was horrible. Then like, I rather have no one in order from a screen, even if it's fucked up, at least I fucked it up instead of having a person not understand what I'm trying to say, not being able to communicate back. And I get it. Can you see the cashier on video? Like, yeah, more about that. So how does it work? So if it's a virtual cashier, you can see them and you're just telling them what you want to order. And then if you change your mind, you're fucked. (laughs) Think about it as you're a drive through and you're talking to someone, but there's a screen, right? There, so you're not only hearing them, you're seeing their face. So they order it, then it goes to the back and they make the food for you in the back. And this is one experience, right? But okay. is he going to try that again? No. And I'm wondering how many people have had bad experiences because if your first language is not English, which is fine, but now you've got a screen, you've got a communication barrier. It's just ripe for a bad experience for both sides, right? The worker who the person on the other side is not really understanding them. They're not really understanding. It's a really bad experience. So thank you, Serge. Doing your homework. I really wondered how does it work in real life? If it's a brutal experience, then boy, if there was any warning, like, hey, this is a pilot location when you walk in. Yeah. From... The experience that my friend said, the biggest challenge was the communication barrier. From the get-go, I think it's a stupid idea. You can now order anything and everything you want on an app, walk in, pick it up and leave. But not all of it. Okay, I'll give you an idea. So every morning I go to this coffee place and it's pretty straightforward. But today I had to wait 20 minutes because the person in front of me, they're older, they could not even order to a person. Everything had to explain in detail. So is everything automated a really good thing? Are these people going to be underserved and not understand? At least if you can talk to someone, that is a way better experience compared to the experience that I saw this morning. A screen would have been disastrous, like just ordering on a touchscreen or an app. Like that's so if, if Freshie understands their client base, who are their client base? And if you build solutions to address 80% of your clients, you should be okay. Yes. 20%, no matter what you do, they will struggle. But if you take a look at who is your customer and design technology around that, anyways, let's get into our recruitment insights. Yes. So the first one that I wanted to talk about is a very interesting idea because I know both you and I have worked in the agency world where recruiters get paid commission. I got paid commission, lived on commission for 11 years. I was 100% commission. If you're not selling and closing, you're going to starve to death. And I remember when I made the transition from agency into a corporate role, and I thought, oh my God, if I even got paid like 1% commission of the amount of jobs that I filled, I'd be a millionaire. (laughs) So I wanted to talk about the whole idea of corporate recruiters Uh, pay for performance or commission and the whole idea around it. Is it a good idea? What's the downside to it? And what's the upside? Before we do, let me just highlight. So this is from Tim Sackett. Tim Mm -hmm. Sackett always has really interesting articles. If we look at what his thoughts are, so there's pros and there's cons. Mm -hmm. The pros is, well, you get more of what you measure and more of what you reward. 
your best recruiters will get paid more and usually higher pay is tied to longer tenure. Low performers and internal recruiters who actually hate recruiting will hate it and just self-select themselves out. Then if we look at the cons is you're going to have a higher turnover. Is that a bad thing? I'm not sure it's a bad thing because people will self-select them out. Where I'm very concerned is potentially you get behaviors that aren't team oriented or are we pushing candidates that Mm -hmm. we know wouldn't be the good fit, but it's a way to get paid. Are we going to push through a lot more lower quality candidates? That's an issue. And you might have to pay a lot more as a company. So you're in head of talent acquisition at this, say, thousand people company. You have four recruiters. Is this a model that you as a TA director would implement? I would. Yes, I would. The, the biggest difference for me between agency and corporate is the fact that you've got a captive audience. Do I believe that there should be some sort of pay for performance for top performing recruiters? Absolutely. And very easy to overcome this potentially lower quality of candidates. A performance program, when well thought out, I'm not saying that you get a thousand bucks every time you fill a role. No, it must be tied to quality of applicant because you do have a tremendous amount of good recruiters, especially senior ones, will have a lot of influence over the hiring leader and the candidate. That's what makes you a great recruiter. And there has to be something tied in there to quality of applicant and retention. Now, the question is retention to what point? right? This is something to put a tremendous amount of thought, time, and investment. But if you're asking me for a quick answer, my answer would be yes. I think this is very smart because the behaviors that you reward, you will get more of. I don't buy into the fact that senior recruiters won't help junior recruiters. In fact, if you've got a well-structured team where your senior people typically have one recruitment coordinator for every one or two recruiters, It allows your recruiters to be far more productive. And by having that sort of team structure, your recruitment coordinator has a career path. Do you want a recruitment coordinator to be a recruiter? I've never had one that could do that job or want to do that job. Not a recruitment administrator. I agree. But I believe a recruitment coordinator, the natural progression in their career would be taking on more complex work seeing it in real time, how does a senior recruiter handle candidate negotiation, candidate relationship management, and uh, hiring manager? They're seeing it unfold. This is stuff you can't learn in school. I am not sure how I feel. Obviously, I've been in sales. uh, I believe in pay for performance. There's a couple of things that are different from sales to, say, recruitment that make me a little bit worried if this is the right thing to do. It's definitely something that's got me thinking if it makes sense or not. When it comes to sales, I control the full destiny. I need resources and people to be able to help me, but ultimately I'm responsible to close that deal. In recruitment, I have limited power. I'm not making a hiring decision. I'm closing a deal with the hiring manager. I guess that's the equivalent. But in a lot of cases, am I doing the right thing for the job seeker and hiring manager? And we see this with agency recruiters all the time pushing candidates and know they're not going to be a long-term fit. They're going to be a fit long enough to get paid their commission and don't have to do a replacement. Do we want to bring the behaviors of agency recruitment, which have an extremely bad reputation, not because there's not great agency recruiters, there is, but 
the barrier of entry for an agency recruiter is almost none. They'll hire anyone and try to train them. And it's giving the overall industry a bad rap. I think if you want to measure corporate recruiters and on activity levels, there's got to be metrics that you can put in place that you can compensate them on because they don't have control over that final destiny but they have control on the activity they do. They want to make sure that it's well thought of and there's a strategy and it's based on behaviors and activity. I, I think it could work. I think so too. I like the idea because anyone who's really good at what they do should be rewarded. Just one other point before we go to the next one. So you got to put in perspective, corporate recruiters are generally paid quite a bit. I know some recruiters now making 130 Canadian, which probably a couple of years we're making 70, 80, which was high okay. back then. Our recruiter is going to be okay because you don't pay a salesperson 130. You can for some roles, don't get me wrong, but usually your base is way lower mm-hmm. and your commission. Are you going to have challenge in hiring recruiters being like, hey, you can make all this commission and it's going to drive the right behaviors, but your base is going to be 70 instead of 120 or 100, yeah. depending on which sector you're in. So you are kicking the door wide open for our next topic. Perfect. And that is, if you were to, as a recruiter, apply and get an interview for one of the big five in tech. So we'd be talking about Apple, Meta, Google, Microsoft. We came across this article, total credit and kudos over to my favorite person, Hung Lee. He shared an article that talked about how they interview and how many interviews and what is the interview process. You know, what stood out to me was of these big companies, there was three out of four or three out of five that had you do a project as part of the recruitment process. So not only are you being panel interviewed, you are also asked to go away and do a project, come back and present it. So do you think that is a good measure of how successful you are as a recruiter? And the projects would be building pipeline or something along that line. But to see that all these big companies, we're looking at a five-step process. What was your takeaway from the article, Serge? Yeah, it was interesting to see because those are all big players with massive employment brands. And a lot of people want to work for those companies so they can dictate the hiring process a lot more than John's machine shop that's hiring a recruiter. I'm not against it. There's a couple of things that always concerns me when it comes to any type of project is like, how long is it? How big is it? So say Google is doing it, but Meta's not. Is that person's being pursued by boat? Are they going to be like, well, I'm not going to waste my time. I want to work at Meta anyways. It's not a bad thing to make sure that you're hiring the best quality. Is it the best measure? I don't know what these tests or projects look like. And I don't know what the intended results of them are. One of the best book that I've ever read when it comes to like HR or, or hiring it. I think his name is Brock Lazar, who was the CHRO at Google. And he talked a lot about how much data is leveraged in their hiring and how they use it. So I'm going to make assumption that it's proven by doing these types of tests, they get better results and they get better hires because all of them generally are way more sophisticated than a lot of companies when it comes to making sure they have the right process structure and they're making the best hiring decisions. I'm not going to say it's a bad thing because they can do it. They can do it, right? People will go through those hoops. It's like, 
jump monkey. The monkey's jumping because they really want that job. Looking at it, nothing really surprised me. The salaries were very interesting. Let me just highlight Amazon an L4 recruiter salary. I'm assuming that's a level four, probably senior starts at $90,000. Yeah. I'm like, what are they recruiting? Are they recruiting tech or are they recruiting warehouse? Because that makes a big difference. Fair. Um, as we know, Carrie Sparrow came on and he talked about, yeah, recruiters are making more money, but they are in tech. It doesn't mean more if they're hiring in hospitality. Google average salary for recruiters is $113,000. Meta was way above at $156,000 and mm-hmm. Apple was at $129,000. They're definitely in the ballpark. I've been surprised. I've seen recruiters with limited experience making $120,000, $130,000 here in Canada. Um, not saying it's a bad thing. I think it's great because those recruiters are really good. But that's a fair amount of money for recruiters. Everyone should read this. If you're a recruiter and this is your focus to work for these top five companies in the world, well, you should know the process and you should be ready for it. There's tons of value for Mm -hmm. listeners reading this. As we share this article out, I am begging you not to do what Amazon does. (laughs) Because first of all, they use the star interview method. Do you remember that? That's like from like 1990. I don't know who's running the show over there, but I'm telling you the star interview method is so fucked up. Like, and it is so 1980. I don't even oh remember my God, what I the think star have, interview method is. I don't even remember it. I've heard um, it. Situation, task, action, and result. Okay. So you have to answer their questions based on what was the situation? What was my task? What action did I take? And what was the result? Just trying to keep that straight in your head. It's just brutal. And it is the worst interview candidate experience you could possibly offer. Next, when you look at Amazon, after you've interviewed with the hiring manager, their third step is they give you a writing test and you have to do a two-page essay covering a topic given by your hiring manager. Whoa, 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 whoa. Don't ever do that that because it is completely subjective. Who is going to score this two-page essay? Unless you have something designed with the scoring rubric and you know how you're going to be graded, this is a recipe for fucking disaster. Asking somebody to write an essay, that is like how to not recruit a recruiter. Look at the last step. The the final portion of the problem. It involves anywhere from- I just can't even- Two to nine back-to-back interview. I'm getting the, a rash. The rash. <laughs> this is just brutal. From two to nine back-to-back interviews. For Depends what? $89,000? What are you hiring for? Do you think Amazon has any issues hiring recruiters? It would take a recruiter six seconds or less to figure out if I'd ever want to work there. I believe they've got a huge turnover problem is what I think they have. And they just keep putting more shit at the top of the interview process. We know, again, based on our conversations, whether you're Amazon or Joe's Metal Scrapyard, if you put somebody through a process like this, only the very desperate would endure something like this. If you're a top performer, there's no way 
you would endure this. Well, and maybe a recruiter wants to get to Amazon so they can get into Meta or get into Google later. They might be willing to go through this exercise just to have that brand on their resume and have X Amazon on LinkedIn, as we see. I want to compare it to the Meta, so Facebook, what mm-hmm. their interview process. The sourcers will give you preparation, which could include exercise designed to help you know what to expect during the interview. Imagine. That, that sounds great. Holy shit. Does that sound good? Perfect. Then you're going to have a 30-minute screening call with a recruiter, mostly discussing your existing experience Mm -hmm. and fit for the role. Yeah, screening pretty straightforward, right? Next, it's time for your Meta's on-site interview. And I'm assuming they have a process for remote. So you're going to meet your recruiter, watch a presentation, have lunch, and undergo up to four one-on-one interviews. Each interview focuses on a different set of behaviors. If all interviews align with positive feedback, then the offer is a go. What's your thoughts? This is fabulous. They get it? it. They get it. Here's the beautiful thing. As a recruiter, here's what I'm gleaning just from reading the fact that they have a three-step process. They're efficient with time. Each of the interviewers focuses on a different set of behaviors of which I am going to conclude that whoever's interviewing me for that set of behaviors, I am considered the resident expert on determining whether or not your responses align with what I would have expected. So as soon as I read that search, I was immediately reminded of our friends over at Telvista because their recruiting module, that is exactly what it does. Before you start interviewing people, you have a very specific job to do. As interviewers go back, we assess against what we said we wanted. That's what their product does. I'll bet you that's the sort of methodology or process that they're using as well. You don't start interviewing without knowing, first of all, what am I expert at assessing and what constitutes a good answer? Yeah. Don't you love that it's boom, it's done. You're going through all the interviews in one day and very quickly after you got it or you didn't. So you didn't waste anyone's time as a candidate. Yeah. Like it's tough to take yeah. some time off work, but if you're going to take an afternoon off, might as well get it all done. Cause I've been in the situations where I've gone through eight interviews and they basically span eight weeks. So every week I had to take a couple hours off to do an interview. I don't know why I stayed so long. It was crazy. I think I was maybe just guilt. Well, you feel guilty. Guilt. Like, honestly, like, I know. I, and I, I think I know which one you're talking about because we've been friends for a lot of years. And I think it was a matter of guilt or obligation or maybe anticipation. Part of it is I'm already this deep, so I might as well I continue, right? And, and what a horrible experience across the board. Doing it this way, Meta Facebook is getting all the information they want. It's very concise. It's done in a short amount of time. They can make a hiring decision basically after a day. So they're combining speed and getting all the data points and all the conversations that they need in one. This is how every company should do it. I want to take this hiring process and put it in front of every company and be like, this is exactly how yeah. you hire. Boom, yeah, done. That's the perfect example because I'm looking at the other ones. Google, not bad. Microsoft, yeah, not great. Overall, the whole structure is screwed up. Here's what I will say that I know about Microsoft. You know what they really do well is candidate pipeline. If you were a finalist and were not the successful hire, their recruiters will continue to follow up with you. And the reason I know this is I know someone who's 
now working there very successfully, but it was a two years process, two years. So she interviewed, wasn't successful. She stayed in touch with the recruiter. And then two years later, the right role came open and boom, she was in and she's still there today. And it's been like six years. That's something that they do really well Mm. is the post interview follow-up maintain relationships with great candidates. Well, they know talent pool is critical. If they're doing a good job with that, they've got a constant pipeline of qualified candidates they can leverage any time, which every company should do, but it's really hard to do. It's a lot easier for Microsoft to do it. We're talking about tech. tech. Yes. So tech, I'm getting nervous, Shelly. I'm getting really nervous about what's going on. There's some warning signs out there, hey? There's a lot of warning signs. I know you spend a lot of time on LinkedIn like I do. And all I have seen is layoffs, especially in the US. The most prominent one that I've heard is a company called Carvana, which I think is a tech company that you can buy a car off and it's delivered to your house. So if I'm wrong to any of the American listeners, please tell me. So a massive layoff, 2,500 people, pretty much all in the tech sector. We're seeing companies like Cameo, Mural, Meta, and Cameo. Is what he was saying. Oh, for, cameo. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, let me interpret for our English what did I say? audience. What Camaro. did I say? I said Camaro? Okay. I meant <laughs> yes, I Camaro. Cameo. Would that surprised me? Like to see the layoffs at Cameo. Yeah. Yeah. And- but kind of not because what Cameo did really well was during the pandemic. They went through the roof crazy in growth. You know what they do, right? No, yeah. They have celebrities send videos yeah, to uh, which is what an awesome gift when, you know, you can't be with someone to send them a cameo. A cameo of whoever your idol. And yeah. you know what? I've seen companies leverage in recruitment. In the tech sector, there's the guy from Silicon Valley's on who's, who's hilarious. And you can hire him and he can be like, you need this job. Think about leveraging that in recruitment marketing. That's so fun. Yeah. I think there's tons. But the concerning side is we've seen Uber scale back as well. We're seeing Meta scale back. We're seeing share prices for companies like Peloton, Lyft, Netflix, Amazon. They're all down. The NASDAQ is way down. Like the losses now this year around 28%. Bitcoin is plunging like 20% in the last five days. So we're seeing a lot of troubling signs. There's a podcast I listen to. It's called All In. It's all the big guys, investors in tech companies. And they think the US economy is already in a recession. We just don't know it yet. And a recession is generally two quarters of negative growth. And it looks like first quarter was negative growth. And it looks like we're going to have negative growth right now. This is something a year ago that would be like, we're crazy. Everyone is hiring in tech. Like to hear layoffs, like we see random companies, but there's a lot of warning signs that the economy is about to collapse or go into a pretty tough spot. So is tech going to be leading that? And are we going to see the challenge that we've seen in supply and demand disappear in the next little while as the economy really cools down? What's your overall thought? Well, recruiters across the globe are cheering <laughs> because it wasn't sustainable the unrelenting demand for tech talent in this article that you found, the, the best example here is the fact that did Netflix really believe that demand would continue to increase at the same pace that it did when we were all in lockdown? Well, that's absurd because we had nothing else to do but watch Tiger King. <laughs> you know what I mean? And 
they are putting out some great product, but to be forecasting that, how can you expect that to continue? So the the round of applause of recruiters around the world is finally, we're going to take a little bit of pressure off of this absurdity of trying to recruit people that just are one in a million. Let's get back to being realistic about what do we really need to hire. I don't think we're headed for an all out market crash. I think those that overestimated themselves going into 2022, they'll be adjusted for sure. Yeah. And I think you have some really good points, especially on Netflix, because the expectation is continued growth no matter what. That's and, well, that's crazy. Yeah. And, and it's crazy. Like how many competitors are there to Netflix now? Just at home, I have Disney Plus, Crave yeah. here in Canada, Apple TV, then there's HBO Max, there's like Paramount in the US. There's all these options that weren't there three, four years ago. And there's some really good quality content across the board, but not everyone's going to sign up for everything. And this is a completely topic, but I think they're wasting way too much money on Netflix on original content because the data shows that people watch Office reruns and Seinfeld reruns. And and all oh my these God. shows that they spent a hundred. Must have been at my dollars. house recently. <laughs> yeah, that's 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 right. so true. That's what they want or mad. Yeah, yeah, like perfect examples. The thought of continued growth for a lot of these companies is it's not realistic to your point. But I do not think hiring in tech is going to slow down that much. It's going to weed out a lot of smaller players that they can't afford it. They've gone all out. Mm-hmm. They're just not going to be able to compete. A lot of those companies potentially are going to die. Similar as we saw the dot-com bus in 2001, uh, a lot of companies just faded away. I think it's just shifting when it comes to tech. Uh, a lot of investment in the last couple of years, and we see in nature of tech, 90% of what's been invested, it's just shit. And and just investors are throwing money at it because they know potentially they can have a big hit. I think it's just going to balance out. But the current conditions we are in, I do think the economy is going to slow down dramatically. A year from now, there's still going to be a supply and demand challenge. Don't get me wrong. But we're not going to be in the same boat. I think it will ease off. Mm Mm-hmm. For tech companies, I think they're the ones that are nervous. Okay, you've been enough of a buzzkill and nobody's got a crystal ball. We don't know if we're all going to hell in a handbasket here. Let's leave our listeners with some hope and maybe one little nugget that you can take away because I know right now declined offers are freaking everybody out. They really are. We've never seen people accepting offers and no show rate. Again, some industries more than others. For hourly workers, 20% was what we looked at historically. Now we're facing like 30, some companies 50%, right? After offer. So I'll let you close off the show to talk about what do you think are some of the things that we can do to reduce offers being declined? Yeah, we've seen the numbers go up dramatically in the past two years. And I think that's going to be a constant trend, even as the economy goes up and down, job seekers feel they have more options. They're looking at multiple companies at once. So there's a good chance they're going to reject your offer. The number one thing as a recruiter that you can do before I go into these points is make sure that you are closing at every step of the conversations, meaning you're trying to figure out what the objections are and what reasons... Mm -hmm 
might make them not accept your offer. And hopefully you can overcome the objections. A lot of organizations are starting to see this because hiring managers are starting to realize that we need to pick up the pace. And that Facebook example, as far as what their hiring process is, they're really quick, but they're still doing all the right steps just in a shorter amount of time. And they're able to get an offer really quickly, pick up the pace. If you're not fast, and we're not saying that you need to get rid cut of corners. quality, like cut corners. Yeah. yeah, You just have to think differently of how you're going to approach shit. One of the things that recruiters have a really hard time, and I've been guilty of this, is provide updates when there's no news. Friday mm-hmm. afternoons. Okay, I actually don't have any news. I'm still waiting for a hiring manager. That might not be news to you, but to the candidate, that's news. At least it's an update. At least they know someone's still engaged. Yeah. Provide an update always. Yeah. I'm calling to tell you, I got nothing to tell you, but I am calling to tell you. Yeah. <laughs> you know I what? I rather call. I think it works. Showcase your organization's diversity. A lot of people talk that, hey, we're a diverse organization. We care a lot about DEI. Showcase that diversity throughout your interview process because the candidates are looking for that and they're just not going to take your word for it. Keep your go the next point. <laughs> Keep your pitch authentic. We've been saying this, Shelly. Be honest. Nonstop. Yep. Be honest. Like no one cares about your corporate BS. Be like, this is who we are. Warts and all. Tell the reality of what you think it is. Mm -hmm. And then how about you dig in deeper on the role instead of just relying on a job description? When you're talking to a hiring manager, get a real picture of what it is to work in that particular role and be able to communicate that to your candidate that's going to make a difference. If I know exactly what my day-to-day, my week, my month, what I'm going to be measured on compared to the other job that, well, here's the job description. I'm going to look at the one that gives me the detail and I know what my day-to-day is going to look like. Absolutely critical. The last one I want to point out here. I was going to say, I only asked you to give me the top ones. No, sorry. I'm going to give them all to you. Okay. Okay. I know. So what resonated most with you? What? Compensation, first conversation. Yes. Talk okay. about it right away. Get it out of the way. Either it's a fit or it's not a fit. This is where you are. This is where it ranges. I can get there. I can't get yeah. there. Everyone's can make decisions from there instead of wasting all our time and getting to the end and we're $30,000 apart. So sorry, I, I just needed to get all those points <laughs> in. I'll let you talk well, now. So I would say if I had to pick one, because there's a list here of nine things you can do. I would say the biggest thing to do is talk about money early. Yeah. Like on the first call, you're absolutely right, Serge. Why would you drag somebody through this interview after interview and then talk about money at the end? If there's one thing that you're not doing right now that I would say to everyone in talent acquisition is talk about money on the first call. First time. Yeah, it really does save getting all the way. They look at the amount on your offer letter and they go, well, this was a waste of time. Oh, 100%, so right? easy to fix. I agree with you. That is the key point. And you can think as a recruiter, what do I have physical control over? And sometimes you don't always have control on the pace. The two things that you can do is provide update when there's no news yep. and talk about compensation early. Boom. You have yes. control and over Do you know that. what still surprises me, Serge? How many recruiters do not know the pay range as they go into the recruit. I'm not kidding. I was just on the phone with somebody earlier this week and I was like, so what's the pay range? She, I'll have to get back to you. 
two days later, she's like, I'm not kidding. Serge, is this a corporate recruiter? recruiter did or not agency? know the pay range. Agency or corporate? Corporate. Are you, you're fucking kidding me, right? No, I'm not. Okay. No, well, that, rec- that recruiter should be fired uh, because <laughs> going to the market and can't answer that question. <laughs> I would not start a role without knowing what the pay range is. Okay. This was great. A long episode, uh, but Shelly is so good to talk to you. Like I said at the start, this is my favorite time of the week is having these conversations with you talking about a topic that we spend way too much time. We need to get a life outside of recruitment. Shelly is. No, I'm quite happy. Actually, Are you happy? Yes. Yes. I'm very happy and loved our conversation today. I think we've got a lot of really interesting points and it has always been my hope that the audience will take away at least one thing that they can use in their day-to-day job. So with that, Serge, thank you. Always fun to talk to you. Time to shut up. Thanks a lot, Shelly. Have a good week. <laughs>Welcome change agents to your go-to place for stories that ignite your spirit, fuel your purpose and connect us all. We believe in the incredible power of the human spirit, its boundless resilience and the inspiration it brings to our lives. On the Driving Change podcast, we'll journey together through the extraordinary yet very relatable experiences of some of the most amazing people on earth. Our mission, that through these stories, we might just spark change within you and awaken a newfound motivation to harness your unique gifts to make a real difference in the world. So get ready to be inspired and join us on this incredible adventure. You can find the Driving Change Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, or wherever you love listening to your favorite podcasts.